Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz. Yes. Um, I Well, first of all, so happy to be back with you after our two-week hiatus. Yes. Did um, you have holidays? I guess we I all did. had holidays. I did. I did. Um, you know, to the extent that you can enjoy this time of year <laughs> with everything else going on. But, um, you know, we always like to start happy hour with some good news. So I found yeah. some good news to share, <laughs> which is that we finally found a protest in riots and chaos that the left Democrats, Joe Biden and never Trump Republicans uh, ha- can can reject. Oh, wow. Do tell. <laughs> It was the insurrection, the invasion of our Capitol building yesterday. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, didn't something really big happen in the news recently? I don't know. Ringing a bell. It's ringing a bell. Coup, insurrection. It's all ringing a bell. But I'm old enough to remember when there was an actual insurrection going on in several fronts in the United States where federal buildings were attacked with explosives, not just Trump flags, and police were beaten and assaulted with improvised explosive devices. But, you know, that's fine. That's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. So, Whatever. You have to break a couple eggs to make an omelet, Julie, you know? Well, we are so excited to have with us our special guest and our friend, fellow warrior, an inspiration to so many journalists. And that is our friend Lee Smith, who's on the line with us on our Skype recording. So, Lee, welcome to the happiest of happy hours. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the very kind introduction. And it's great to be with you guys. And, um, I, you know, I was going to ask when I was eventually going to get an invite to enjoy happy hour with you guys. So here I am. Thank you. We do not hand out invites to happy hour. That's, that's what I figured. Yeah, you know, figured. like willy nilly. These are coveted. <laughs> Very yes. It's like the the Met Ball of or the Met Ball of podcasting. Let's say that. That's a great tagline. Wow. That's great. <laughs> so, Lee, you live in the area of Washington, yeah. D.C. You live in Washington, D.C. I live in Virginia. And so virtually yeah. Washington, D.C., suburb of Washington, D.C. Um, we were both close to the actual insurrection slash coup slash whatever, um, invasion, some would say, yesterday. Um, <laughs> how did you learn about it? Did you, you weren't there, I wasn't there, but how were you, were you getting your information flow? Let me compare it, uh, let me compare it to what, I, I'm sure this will be something we'll discuss, but over the summer, you know, we, we live about uh, a mile and a half, maybe a mile away from the White House, you know, so over the summer when our <clears throat> when um, the the stout resistance uh, of BLM and Antifa were laying siege to the White House, we knew that we knew that it was getting increasingly bad, um, uh, according to how low the helicopters were flying. <laughs> right. So I mean that was that was bad, and this went on for several weeks. Um, yesterday, as far as I can tell, there were no helicopters overhead. I uh, you know I I I, I 
got my news through friends. People were alerting me saying, hey, check out what's going on. So, you know, whatever. It's like TV and, uh, and, and some social media, which is, you know, of course, it's always shocking to see things on to, to see to see the way that things are shaped on social media. And then, you know, it takes a while to takes a while to sort to sort through it because that's the place, of course, where everyone's framing it, what's happening on social media. So that's basically what people speak about for the first several hours. And then unless people get in there and do some serious work that that that's the narrative. And this is the narrative that we have now And this narrative you know, our prestige uh, media organizations, this is going to be the narrative for for a long time, that there yeah. was a, an insurrection, right? So, Julie, we were kind of chatting during the, of mm-hmm. the event. I guess it was about four hours. Um, I know I was watching the house because that's where the action was going to be. A lot of action, but, you know, that's they were going through the, the objections to the electors. And then I was watching the rally, like, on two different windows. And then all of a sudden I get told they're, they're coming into the, to the Capitol. They're literally busting in. So then I put a third window up from, on Twitch of a live feed of, of this, uh, you know, protest, a, assault, whatever it is. Um, and I know... Julie, you were watching that too. Um, what was going through your head, Julie, when you first w- started watching? I'm not sure I'm really going to say what was in my head because <laughs> part of it was you guys had this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, there's a lot we can get into in terms of people's reaction. Um, but look, when you have tens of millions of Americans who not just feel that their vote has been discarded, that their election, their president was not reelected in an unfair rigged election. Added on top of that, almost a year of punishing economic lockdowns without any defense of liberty or freedom from the party that's supposed to represent those ideals, not only defend it, but participate in it. Um, you know, this was just a, such a cauldron um that was just waiting to explode. And so I obviously the president didn't really light the match on this. It it was already there. It didn't take very much. But, um, you know, of course, some people behaved badly. I mean, you can't justify people trying to smash windows or attack police. Um, but this was inevitable. And not only that, this isn't going to be the end of it. And so, you know, it's it's really a terror. I mean, I'm sure all of us, especially when you have kids, you're terrified at how quickly this country has just dissolved into total chaos, lawlessness and and hatred for each other. Um, What this is, I guess, for both of you, um, to what extent do you think the fact that the fact that this violence um, has been normalize as an acceptable form of addressing political grievances played into what we saw yesterday because you know I wasn't quote in the tea party I'm not really sure what it means they didn't hand out membership cards but you know I I remember the tea party I know people that led tea parties you know they were very polite um clean always cleaned up held flags Played Lee Greenwood, Greenwood, proud to be American, all that. Very nice crowd. 
And what we saw yesterday was a level up, was, you know, just a bit, it was more. And so I wonder, what do you think about how the political violence we've seen for a year, almost a whole year now, now probably like 10 months, what do you, how much do you think that played into people's willingness to go in and, you know, kind of do a similar, similar things? Um, can I, I'll say something quickly. Yes. I, I think that I think just as you were phrasing that question just made me think, I think we, I think we all need to be judicious about, about how we describe violence, right? Because if we remember the BLM and TIFA riots over the summer, there were, you know, I mean, there were uh, policemen and others who were shot by BLM and Antifa activists, right? And what happened yesterday? The person who was shot and killed yesterday is a uh, it, it w- was an Air Force veteran. So when we're talking about c- comparing these levels of violence, I think that's an that's a very important that's a very important thing to keep in mind. More generally. Uh, in, in general, more generally, in terms of political violence, yes, we've seen the left, the left has sanctioned political violence for uh, not just with the BLM and Antifa riots, right? But I mean, the press was driving was driving this up since since before Trump was elected that it's okay to punch a Nazi, it's okay to punch people with Trump hats, it's okay to assault them. So I mean, you know, there, there's nothing there, there's nothing there's nothing mysterious about why people would eventually respond. And I think, I, I, again, I think in that context, we need to understand what the response looked like. People didn't go into the Capitol shooting Capitol Hill policemen or shooting uh, House members. Or setting it on fire. I mean, that right. was, we had so much damage right. from exactly. arson that was well, Right, ignored. it goes back to what I said about the summer here in Washington, the entire city was lit up. Right. With fires, people laying waste to stores, people laying waste to churches, people attacking uh, hotels, people attacking the White House. And so what happened yesterday in those terms? I know that people I know that people are keen to describe this as an unprecedented assault. And I know that uh, I know that I would be rebuked by some of our some of our more stalwart friends on the right as engaging in whataboutism. Uh, you know, uh, but, but again, this is this is called uh, historical context. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's important to see it in, 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 in that framework. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I, no, I should no, have no, no, I know. Qualified no, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just elaborating, you know. Yeah, no, definitely what we saw yesterday wouldn't even be considered a, a, a useful event for the BLM Antifa crowd and their, you know, uh, ta- for their tactics, because it wasn't nobody was hurt uh, on the the police side or there wasn't anything burned down. There wasn't any beatings or anything. Um, so it was pretty tame, but for the right, that behavior is, is unusual. And so Julie, what, what do you think? You know, I keep, I just keep thinking of my own grandparents who were, you know, the greatest generation. They left their homes uh, when they were 2021, 20, they were shipped overseas. My grandma was an army nurse. My grandfather was an army captain. They were in Europe in the waning months of World War II. They got married in Paris in ni- September 1945. I just keep thinking how weak this country has become because you really saw people on Twitter saying, this is the worst 
historical yeah. event that's ever <laughs> happened in America. Right. Like right. how how can this be? This is which of course speaks to the historical illiteracy, not just of our kids, but of grown adults, people who actually like have bylines and you yeah. know sit in elected offices. And, but I mean, and this degrees from like, Columbia journalism yeah, school. And yeah. I'm sitting there going, wait, so a bunch of rabble rousers who go into a government building, let's keep in mind that belongs to us. It doesn't belong to Nancy Pelosi. It doesn't belong to the Capitol Police. Of course, they're there to keep order. But I mean, those are American citizens. It's their Capitol building and their nation's capital. They're not interlopers, but of course, that's how they're viewed. So I guess just from that perspective, I think that's kept a lot of my whole perspective of what's happened this year from being scared of a mostly harmless virus and, you know, everyone hiding in their closets for months to what we saw yesterday. I mean, if we can't just take what happened yesterday into a historical context and a political context, okay, this was bad, separating it out, but turning this into insurrection, like what they were calling people, um, it, it that's why I part of me, I was just laughing online on Twitter last night. Like, you can't be serious. You know, part of it is um, when I was go- scrolling through my Twitter feed of blue check marks and drama and pearl clutching and the vapors over yeah. this outrage, I, 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 I got to thinking these people are so upset because they're the ones they, they feel like they were attacked because they've picked a side, even though they're not supposed yeah. to pick a side. Like this is as much an attack on the vote fraud as it's attack on the New York Times, on Maggie Haberman, on um, any of these other right. anti-Trump people. So they feel personally attacked about that. And one thing I, I found particularly noteworthy, even more than the actual occurrence of the you know break in which i'm using air quotes was that i guess i'm just totally numb to this political violence because my big takeaway was why are these people only upset about this when it's washington dc and elected officials but don't care about it when people's businesses are burned down their family members are killed like in minnesota or when huge blocks of the city are co-opted and designated as autonomous, damaging already coronavirus-struck businesses, crushing them? Why is the is the anger because someone dared to go into the this hollow chamber of our elected officials like they're special, like you can't touch them? I mean, it it just it really just. Are you saying that Nancy Pelosi's laptop is not the most important historical artifact in American and <laughs> in, in, in American culture? What about her little I, I, that podium thing I just want to push back a little bit on that. I think her laptop okay. is I think her laptop is, is a sacred artifact. <laughs> what about that podium? Like there's a picture of the guy holding up her podium and the people were just like, oh, my God, <laughs> just come I mean, on. <laughs> Look, I agree with it. I, I mean, I agree with you, uh, Julie. First of all, I got to say, I really love that story about your grandparents. It's really moving, and just like I'm just imagining what it must have been like for them to marry in Paris at that time. What, yeah. what, a, what, a, what an amazingly beautiful story. Thanks, I really like that. Thank you. Um, they were amazing people. Uh, 
So thank you. Yeah. I, I think, I, I, yeah, Liz, I agree. I, I, I think in lots of ways they take it personally, like it's an attack on them. But also look, the, the way that I see it is that what, what we've seen here is a four year long campaign of humiliation and degradation and, and desecration. Right. It's targeting not just Donald Trump. Right. Donald Trump, as he often says, and he's usually right about this, is that he's just the one in front uh, between, you know, they're targeting him because they can. They're really going after Trump voters. That's that's exactly the case. So the, the, the fact is, is that no one expects no one expects Trump supporters, Trump voters to do anything. They don't expect them to stick up for themselves. They don't expect them to stand up for themselves. They, they're, they're, they're derided. When they when they speak out, when they I mean, the, the, the president of the United States, remember, we've all you know, we've all reported on this. But I mean, remember, it's like they were all told that they voted for a traitor in 2016. Right. I mean, the, 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 they've been they've been mocked and shamed for four years. Right. I think that's also a, a big reason yeah. why why these people were responding on social media like that. It's like, how dare they? How, how dare they come out? How dare they even march in Washington? They have nothing to do with this. This is this place is run by us. So Lee, how I, I, much I, how much and you are, of course, the expert on this, on the permanent ongoing coup. How yeah. much of the fact that none of the perpetrators involved in this permanent coup that started with, uh, you know, Russian collusion hoax and onward. How much do you think that the frustration of the base that that's never been addressed and won't ever right. be now? Right. What? How much has that played into this fury I, I we see in the base? I think that's an enormous point, and, that, and I think that's an enormous part of it. And that goes back to something. Look, when people were talking about how yesterday looked like a a third world incursion into the capital. It's like, well, we've been living in a third world environment since at least 2016, right? When you have the press and the security services are teaming up to go after a sitting president, right? So that's the third world environment and Trump voters didn't create that, right? That was the elite. This is an elite conspiracy theory pushed by the press and the intelligence services. And of course, government officials like Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Um, the fact that there was no uh, another big problem is that because no one has paid for that, because no one paid for that, they all felt well, they felt they were in no jeopardy at all. There was no risk to continuing uh, the coup, whether that had to do with impeachment, whether that had to do with election fraud, um, whether it has to do with the different stuff that the different reports that we're seeing coming out regarding yesterday. No, no one has paid a price. No one on that side has paid a price for anything. Why should they ever fear any um, – why should they ever fear punishment? Well, and it's frustrating to watch um, and be victim of, and be a victim of the same people that are getting away with it. I mean, you're, we're, we're, we, we've had our options. Most of our options are taken off the table now to get, have our voice heard. We, right. we can't complain about this coup against the president who legitimately won um, all of the efforts of the federal government. M most of the elected officials were taken up in a witch hunt or defending right. against being caught up in the witch hunt, like poor Devin Nunez, who spent time in the penalty box for challenging it. The The people's representation were, were busy with this and not dealing with actual issues right. and or working on the Trump agenda. So 
there's that. And now we can't talk about anything. We're immediately dismissed, like concerns about voter fraud. And yet the same people keep popping up. They're not only are they not punished, they're rewarded with lucrative CNN contracts, ridiculous book deals. I see Comey has another book out. Can you believe Mm -hmm. that? I mean, really, what the hell else does this joker have to say? Why is he a free man? And yet none of these people are punished. And yet the last eight months, people's livelihoods have been destroyed. Their kids are yanked out of school. They're not allowed to go out of their house without a mask on, or they're not allowed to go to the gym. They're really not allowed to do anything enjoyable. And it's just really seems like there was, you know, a tipping point. So. (laughs) I mean, the way you describe that is perfect. But the only way I think to conclude is to say, like, you know, yesterday wasn't that surprising. And as it turns out, maybe it's not an entirely bad thing. Right. As I I, I mean, as I've said, if the if if the historical context is one side has been shooting at the other for four months and I use shooting in figurative terms, of course, Mm -hmm. if one side has been targeting the other for four years. The other side is eventually going to at least push back. That's that's what we saw yesterday. You know, relatively speaking for civil unrest, yesterday wasn't that big of a that it really wasn't that big of a deal. I know I'm going to probably get excoriated for this, but I I can't help but say no there were typical scuffles between the protesters and police. Nothing worse than we've seen over and over and over again at the various social justice events the last, you know, six, seven months, there wasn't any fire set. There were no explosives used. Nobody on the protester side fired guns at law enforcement, to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, Susan Fariccio has a really good piece at the Washington Examiner where she talked to a lot of the people that had gone into the Capitol. And they said they thought they were allowed to be there. And the police let them in. And many of them were sitting around talking to police. So really, there were pictures of people getting selfies selfies with 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 Capitol Hill police. There were different uh, videos of of, of police officers letting people into the building, Mm -hmm. ushering them into the building. Yeah, you're right. But so when people are so upset about it, they're not upset about the actual events that unfolded. They're upset symbolically about what it represents because they're this was not dangerous. There wasn't fire trucks. There weren't things literally on fire, people getting burned or or major property destruction. A lot of it was just kind of like almost fraternity hijinks, like mm-hmm. here I am in Nancy Pelosi's chair, you know, or I'm taking her business cards. I mean, it, it, <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't pour gasoline all over her office right. and blow it up. Right. right. I actually tweeted that picture. I think he was a Viking, yeah. the guy at the, in the speaker's chair. I tweeted out, he'll probably do a better job than the people we have there now. Like how much worse could the Viking costumed rabble rouser do than, you know, Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell for that matter. Um, No, it was and the more that you think about it the next day and you see people still clutching their pearls over this, especially people on the right. Oh my God. Would like the national review people just please, just go turn your name into Vox. Or, I mean, the headlines at National Review are indistinguishable now from what you would see at the New York Times. It's it, 
Julie they just have no four years to write those headlines. You know, <laughs> <laughs> four years. So they, it was just it just bordered on silliness, the reaction. Um, but, you know, it was interesting, of course, and we can do the as you said, what about ism or the double standards, but Jack Posobiec last night was retweeting all of the images, which I actually had forgotten about, um, about the Brett Kavanaugh, uh, you know, those people descending on the Hart office building and occupying it and, you know, confronting senators and elevators and chasing them down all the crazy things that those people were doing. And of course that was fine. That was an insurrection. That was, you know, social justice. And for those the right people cause. got a lot closer to sitting they senators sure and congressmen than anyone yesterday did. That's right. right. Except I, I just want to, as I mentioned a bit before, I, 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 it's not hypocrisy, right? What they're saying is, what they're saying is we can make war on you. Right. The, the, the idea that you dare to do something about it, we're going to put you in your place. That's what the last four years have been about, right? Trying to put Trump supporters in their place. So the idea that Trump supporters do not accept this, they say this is not fair. It's not legal. It's not right. This is this is met with contempt, disdain and hatred. And hatred. that's what we saw a lot of again yesterday. Um, we did. And we're going to see a lot more of this. And I think, Lee, this is part of what you've said in your in your book and, you know, your movie, the documentary, which is so great. I watched with my college daughter. She uh, she's so on our cool. side, but Thanks. she was yeah. she was blown away. She couldn't yeah. believe, you know, that this had actually happened. But as you've always said, and the president has said himself, these attacks were not just targeted at the president. It was targeted mm-hmm. towards all of us. It's been highly successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so are we going to see more of what we saw yesterday? I mean, and look, nobody leverages these these manufactured crises better than the Democrats. Right. They got exactly what they wanted because then these mm-hmm. sheepish craven Republican senators like Lankford and, of course, Lindsey Graham and then Kelly Loeffler come back with their tail tucked between their legs, you know, prostrating before the media and the Democrats, you know, yes, we'll do whatever you say. Okay, we're going to pull back our 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 challenge to these fraudulent election results. Just please don't, you know, don't eat me. Don't scream at at me. Yeah, right. Right. Don't Um, scream at me. Well, this is something else I think that that happened yesterday. And I, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not a I'm not enough of a, uh, you know, a, a political analyst to be able to to be able to foretell prophecy, the future of the of the establishment Republican Party. But it doesn't look good for them, does it? I mean, the 75 million people who showed up came out to vote for Donald Trump. So the idea that somehow a lot of the establishment crowd is going, oh, we're going to we're going to we'll we're just going to pocket Trump's big gains with uh, with Latino and African American voters, and we can do this all without Donald Trump. It's like good luck, right? Right. That that I I I, I again, it's just that's just my gut sense. That's not going to happen. My other thing is I think that you know why yesterday, why the why the larger march. I'm not talking about the skirmishes with police officers or uh, illegal incursions into the Capitol. I'm talking about why the larger the larger protest, the larger demonstration is interesting. The march is interesting. It tells me that people I, 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 I've just I've felt for the last couple of months that 
just a lot of Americans, I mean, on, 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 on the right, Trump supporters or wherever they are. I think, that, I think that terms like right and left are fading away, actually, right? I think it's actually the part, as Angelo Cotavilla puts it, the, the country, the party of the country and the party of the elite, the establishment. I think that the country of the party or the, the party of the country is, is, is moving away not only from the establishment, but, has, but, but there will be other aspects of this. There are other planes. There are cultural, uh, there are cultural, um, you know, cultural engagements. There are spiritual and religious engagements. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic about it because I think that, I, I mean, I, I've been looking at the, the past election for a while in terms of, like, well, I certainly want Trump to win. But regardless, we're in for a fairly long and fairly difficult struggle. Mm-hmm. And that struggle is will continue. And I think that insofar as Americans can focus on other things, is not, I'm not saying to abandon politics, but I'm saying let's get back to let's get back to who we are, how how this country started, who we are as Americans, who we are as a free people. Right. It's like none of this stuff comes from the people on Capitol Hill. Right. Who we mm-hmm. are, it doesn't come from them. So. Again, that's why uh, why I think that I think the larger march was really impressive and really moving, and um, you know, so I, I well, all, all you know, I, I, I see a, a, a lot of good, tremendous amount of good coming from that, and in well, the future. I think I think you're right, Lee, and I, I think that it was the the trajectory already with the election of Trump that was really heightened with the virus. In other words, mm-hmm. the fact that we had to deal with the virus and it's basically controlled by the self-credentialed elite scientists or whatever they are um, telling us what we can and can't do has also driven home the need for to cultivate Mm self-sufficiency and also to insulate oneself their livelihood from these larger sort of woke corporations that are willing to go along, you know, go along with it, if not underwrite and fundraise it, you fundraise for it. So people are, that's why we're seeing all these different migration patterns to people moving to states where there have governors who are, uh, you know, based, if you will, people moving to Texas, people moving to Florida. Why? Well, everybody who's over 65 can get a vaccine in Florida. Are there lines? Yes, there are. I'm sorry if you have to wait overnight. You can't get it in New York. You'll go to jail if you don't wait your turn in the proper queue or in other states. They've hardly vaccinated anyone uh, relative to the numbers of vaccines they've arrived at. But other states with Republican governors don't have massive coronavirus outbreaks like Florida, which has been open for a while relative to like New York or California, which is surging and have had all sorts of ridiculous shutdowns. So people are self-sorting and also, I think, focusing on self-sufficiency. And I that mm-hmm. in the long term is a good thing because your governor and your even more local elected officials, your mayor, your city council, your county supervisor, and, and most importantly, your sheriff, those people yeah. have a much greater impact on your life than some shithead in the world's yeah. greatest deliberative body. Right. Or the FBI or yeah. the right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And so, yeah, for now. So that's yeah. That, so that, that's what I'm that's what I'm optimistic about. You know, Congressman Nunes has been talking about this in terms of the press for a while. It's like, yeah, you know, 
we really need a solid press, but probably the way to do that is to have, uh, you know, solid local press like around the country, cover the things that are important to your community, report on that, you know, excise corruption. Um, so, yeah, I, that's just I mean, the, again, the exciting thing is 75, nearly 75 million Trump voters. I mean, those people aren't going home. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the political motivation looks like, but again, to me, it's not that important, the political motivation right now. So if I were if I were some of these establishment cats, I, I mean, I just be like, well, what do we do? <laughs> I mean, what, what do we do? How, how are we going to manage this now? I think that it was sort of telling yesterday, you know, you have all these loud mouths who um, demean and mock the deplorable Trump people. Well, where were they yesterday? Where were all these badass, you know, where, where is, where was Ilhan Omar? Was she hiding under her desk? I mean, this is your chance. You guys should have gone out and mass and and confronted these people in, in Congress. You, you had the cops there. This is your building, not theirs. It belongs to you. You have all the power. Why didn't you go out there? Why'd you hide under your desk? Why'd you put on a gas mask? Did you see them like cowering behind their desks? Like cowering? Right. There were different. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, let's talk about those optics. Here they are. They shoot off their mouths on the Senate floor or on Twitter, (laughs) Twitter, Ben Sass. Where was badass Ben Sass? Hey, go get your people. You want to confront yeah. these people? You want to tell them what lowlifes they are, what scumbags yeah. they are, how awful the president is? <laughs> Good one. Get your ass out there and, and go <laughs> tell them. I want to see you confront them. But yeah, what they yeah. do, they hid like little right. little bitches. We can say it. Under their desks. Oh, I'm so glad the Capitol Police are here. Well, go do it yourself. <laughs> so you know what? Right. To your point, right. they have to be afraid. They can talk really yeah. tough. But it, when it really no, terrifying. comes down to the confrontations that are going to happen, they are nowhere to be found. Not Julie, they're one terrified. One of them. It's well, like I mean, when Obamacare, they had to go all go home to the ta- their town halls um, to to ma- handle their constituents on Obamacare who are angry and wondering, like, how would you let this happen? And they were hiding. They were going out back doors. They were incognito. They were caught, co- you know, in costume to avoid having yeah. to deal with their angry they're angry constituents. That's so, right. Julie, that's a great point. You know, where was big old Mitt Romney? Well, you know? look at what, excuse yeah. me, look at what Mitt Romney did at the airport. The oh, dude yeah. is sitting there with like, he weighs all of what, 150 pounds? Like, I mean, you know, my 16 year old girl, anyway, won't even go there because he's sitting there like the little effeminate, you know, blue blood that he is with two masks on, typing on an iPad. A constituent comes over. He scolds her for not having a mask because, of course, that makes you a big, tough man. If you confront someone, you don't have your face covering on. So he scolds her. She's like, I'm six feet away, dude. Relax. He can't even answer a question that she poses. Then says you were elected to represent us as conservatives. No, I wasn't. Oh, I support the president. I didn't vote for him. Then what does he do? He gets up. He takes his little, you know, limpy backpack, tucks his <laughs> iPad in there, you know, his straightens purse. his, you know, his, his, you know, size 32 waist b- belt Fair buckle and then, you know, goes off to the plane. It was pathetic. Like, hey, here. And it was a woman. She's a woman. You can't you can't yeah. stand up and address one of your constituents and say, here's exactly why I didn't vote for the president. And I supported impeaching him. He didn't. He scurries off like, you know, a, we're not a even he didn't because even that's give what he her is. the dignity of treating her like an equal, which was, well, 
I want, what do you think? Like, there's like a retail politics involved here where you want to make your constituents feel like you care about them. Well, what, what do you like about Trump? What do you think, um, you know, how do you think I should handle this? There's a way to engage them so people feel like they're heard. And the reason that there's so much outrage is that all of these Trumpers or what, whatever we're being called now, um, you know, aren't heard. They're dismissed, mocked and ridiculed. And what did Romney do in the opportunity to really show this lady and say, you know, thanks for letting me know what you think. You know, it's sometimes just talking to her like what she had to say was worth considering. And of course, that didn't happen. And no, you're right. That's an interesting point. That would have been very good for him. He would have looked good on, on, on the video that she was taking. Right. He would have looked like he was curious, concerned about one of his constituents. Yeah, that's a really good point. But but no, but that was you know, an opportunity totally lost because he doesn't think that she's an equal and he doesn't care what she thinks and he doesn't care why she's upset with him. He doesn't. And, And that's the same for every single one of these people who, you know, is a big bad boy on the Internet or on Twitter or in the little press conferences they call after they go vote against something. And then in person, they're terrified. And the, the thing is like, it wasn't people entering the building with weapons, with gasoline cans. It's not like security came over the microphone and said, we got a bunch of people with large machine guns, cans of gasoline, some RPGs, and they are looking for you. You know, they did not do that. And, and so that really you're, you're, that's such a great point, Julie. I mean, we really have a lot of cowards. And but I would like to point out that Muriel Bowser was was asked if she wanted extra security mm-hmm. and she denied that before this event. So, you know, they could have, I guess, set up whatever they thought they should set up, because if you remember during the summer riots, the summer of fire here in D.C., they kept building higher and higher barricades and moving the, the perimeter further and further away from the White House because of the threat um, but if they thought there was going to be a, a a threat from the Trumpers, why didn't Muriel Bowser have more security, even though that's federal property? She could have still had offered more assistance and she turned it down. I mean, I kind of think they wanted a problem. I, I think they want to remove Trump from the White House. And I think they're looking for some path through which to do that. But I, my my assumption is that they just they've just come to accept that Trump people show up in huge numbers. They rally peacefully. They all and then they go home. So they're not right? really afraid or there were not no. really as dangerous as they as right. they say that's, we are. That's, that's my assumption. I mean, but I mean, I, it's certainly possible knowing just everything else that's been going on now, knowing that every conspiracy theory we always dismissed is not true. Um, but I, 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 I just think that they, they probably weren't concerned, given the track record of, of, of Trump rallies. They're peaceful. I mean, not just peaceful. Right. I mean, you saw some of these rallies and the president was on the campaign trail like an indie rocker hitting every town he could on tour. And but if I, Liz, you and I may have I, I may have mentioned this to you before. I think some really interesting video came at the end of the rallies once it started to get dark, when you saw the Metro Police Department 
go through a whole bunch of Trump supporters. And, on, you know, they, they wanted to clear the street. That was understandable. But they were a lot rougher than they needed to be. And my impression was is that they were humiliated and it was a beaten police force, right? And, and they, they were angry. And so they took it out on Trump supporters. So if you're talking about people who are scared, I think it's not just the people who were hiding yesterday on the Hill. I think that the I think that we saw something yesterday that surprised everybody. And now everyone has to reconsider. Now everyone has to think, right? It's like before, whether you're, uh, whether you're John Roberts or whether you're Mitt Romney uh, marching with BLM, you have to be worried about what these guys are going to do if they show up in front of your home, yep. right? Yesterday, yep. I think, again, just looking at the responses from Metro PD, how they went through that crowd of Trump supporters who weren't really doing anything, right? They were taking some pictures. They were making some noise. They didn't have to go through in the way they did. They were angry and defeated. So I think it's going to have to force some people to uh, just just reconsider the what reality might really look like. Well, it's it, 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 that's interesting that you bring yeah. up the Metro police because the the right, the Trump supporters that they you know, fought with last night, those are the people who are the most vocal in support of the police. Those yeah. are the people that have Blue Lives Matter rallies at their home, at their, in their home cities. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. What do you think? <laughs> You're asking me? You wanna... Well, or Julie, I mean, I just, I, I think there's going to be, uh, that, that is a note, will be a notable effect because under a Biden administration with a, a Democrat House and Senate, there is going to be some major, you know, um, punishment for the police. And now the police aren't going to have people holding Blue Lives Matter rallies anymore. How or about, as many. How about, how's this for a worst case scenario, right? If things really get violent and, and you know, I mean, it's possible. We certainly mm -hmm. all hope not. But if things get really violent, if you look at. If you look at civil, I mean, I know Lebanon best, having lived there and having, you know, reported on it for a while. What happens is that the, the different forces with guns, at a certain point, they split. They go their own way and they take their weapons with them. And they go and they side with their family, with their community, with their town. So I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I mean, right now you still have, I, I mean, I, I find it very disheartening to see the New York Police Department the, from, I, I grew up there. It's the greatest police department in the history of the world. And to see the NYPD, you know, dispatched by Bill de Blasio to go, up, go out and, you know, uh, har harass Orthodox, Orthodox Jews and keep them from praying while they're protecting uh, Black Lives, Trans Matters, uh, you know, parade goers. I find, that very, I find that very disheartening. But right now they're responding to the political leadership. How much longer will that last? I, I mean, you know, uh, uh, again, I, I, I think we probably have to look as things escalate because this is an event. I mean, the left is always looking for an event to impose penalties on the right, and they will use this event. I mean, and, and I, I don't hold anyone at this event responsible for that because no matter what would happen, like, that, that, I mean, they would hold the right responsible for, uh, for, uh, for uh, an untoward tweet. So, you know, but I mean, I think as, as things accelerate, as things get, as things get worse, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different things that can happen. 
And I think, too, um, to your point, Lee, this has been death by a thousand cuts. I mean, anyone who showed up to that rally, anyone you talk to has their own personal story of devastation of what's happened yeah. this year under these lockdowns, whether you're watching your own police department, you know, chase moms with little kids off of their playgrounds, yeah. public right. playgrounds that they pay for. You right. know, my I mean, we're going now on almost a year. Neither one of my daughters has right. been in a classroom for a solid yeah. week. I mean, they walked out of their lives March 13th and haven't been back. And now my daughter's college is extending again until February when classes are going to start. I mean, so but I, we're lucky. I mean, we have it. That's nothing compared to people losing their businesses or not being able to see their spouse before they die or not go with yeah, the child. Right. I mean, everybody yeah. has these catastrophic. So right. that also is fueling. And that's why it's not going to go away because these lockdowns are going to continue. We saw Joe Biden's pathetic address yesterday. I mean, he's slurring. He doesn't even know what he's reading. He's just reading these lines that he has no concept of what he's saying. He is going to keep perpetuating this because it's going to, it's already reaping rewards aside from the election. Right. We're paying off his teachers unions. You know, we're paying off his climate activists. Right. We're now going to bail out these blue states. And so this, this is going to continue. So to your point, watching what's happening, people enduring, you know, these just humiliations. Right. Um, I think that these sort of, what, rallies, protests, whatever, they're they're going to continue and some yeah. will be violent. I agree. I, I agree. I mean, and again, it's it's like this side didn't start it. Right. I mean, this side didn't impose didn't impose the, 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 the lockdowns to crush businesses. This side didn't uh, encourage Antifa rioters to lay waste to cities. Right. Or to shoot policemen. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just it, it's it's. It's the way of the world. I was going to well, say, I was, I, 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 I was very quickly about the Biden thing. One of the things that, one of the things that's kind of alarming, since Joe Biden really is just an avatar, right, for a whole bunch of, I mean, namely for Barack Obama, but for other interests as well. That's one of the things that actually started to concern me more, right? I mean, there's one thing with him just being a, a mannequin, but the idea that they may move quickly to impose and implement certain things. And Joe Biden's not responsible because Joe Biden's not there. So using the screen of Joe Biden, you can move a lot more quickly and a lot more violently if Joe Biden doesn't have to take responsibility for anything. I was just going to say earlier that um, imagine living with the fear of getting put in, arrested, possibly jailed for trying to just live your life with really regular freedom going having your kids in school taking them to the park right. solo um paddle boarding in the ocean as we saw last year under the threat of imprisonment while your local officials are actually releasing people from prison right. who are violent right. um to make room for you know the the mask deniers or right. Yeah, uh, right. whatever <clears throat> you know it just it just it, we're, they, they've we're spent powder four cannon. years, right, right. They've spent four years trying to drive Americans crazy, and guess That's what? Right. They've done <laughs> they it. They did. Yep. That's why the I don't know if you guys saw the video of the young woman in the elevator who was yelling at the 
I, I think it was like an Uber Eats driver in the elevator and she and turns around, she pounds the side of the elevator oh, yeah. and screams. Right. I, I couldn't even criticize her because yeah. this is what we've done. She might be just a perfectly lovely young woman who was enjoying her life a year ago and has been completely tormented for no reason by people who are ev- evil or incompetent or both. Right. And that's what you turn people into. I mean, so yeah. you, you're exactly right. They've tried to turn people, make people crazy. They have largely succeeded. They will continue to do it. I guess the question is for both of you, now that Trump is going to be leaving the White House, the Democrats are going to take over the Senate. We have the avatar, you know, Joe Biden, who is doing Obama's work, but will eventually, probably sooner rather than later, have President Kamala Harris. Yeah. You know, first of all, what does Trump do after this? Where does he go? I mean, they're going to come after him. They're going to try to arrest him and, you know, prosecute him for all kinds of crimes. But in the interim, what does he what does he do? What does he take with this movement? Uh, Liz, did you have a- Um, You know, I I have to say that after four years <laughs> of getting to know Donald Trump much better than I knew him previously, um. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, he's a difficult one to predict. I I think Trump has a lot of shortcomings, and some of us are hesitant to talk about it because we don't want to pile on. I mean, there's already plenty of people ripping on him, but I think that Donald Trump felt like he was fighting a different battle than people like us thought we were in. You know, he was fighting a different battle. Which means that will dictate where he goes after this. Um, does he want to tra- really transform America? You know, like be the leader, be our, our, you know, the icon, the the guy, you know, our yogi or whatever, rabbi, I don't know. Did, w- does he want to do that? I don't think he does. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think he can, to be fair. I, I think he's almost like happened, he kind of, accidentally found himself where he where he is so I think he's probably going to do something in media you know I don't I don't think he's going to be very political which is unfortunate because he obviously is tremendous political cash as we saw yesterday but he'll probably try to avoid prosecution um, because they're going to never they're never going to let him go and and I think maybe he'll go into the media, but I don't really see him like starting a political party, running for office again, mm-hmm. going out there and campaigning. Maybe he'll campaign against enemies. Let's hope. But I don't know. I Hard to say. What about you, Lee? What do you think? <clears throat> I mean, I, I think that uh, I, I, was, I was surprised when people said that, oh, yeah, well, he would go immediately to the. Uh, front runner for 2024 because my assumption has been just because I mean we see the way that press is written about him I and they're I mean they have all sorts of cases you know lined up against them I mean they're going to that, that's that's my assumption that a lot of what he's going to be doing is is staying out of jail um, and <laughs> I think a media I, I think a, a media initiative would be terrific and and really important and uh, that would be great. I think, but again, I mean, given the nature of the adversary, right? They just they cannot help themselves, even if they were to know better, right? They can't help themselves, so they're going to have to destroy the 
the idea is they have to destroy Trump because they need to humiliate Trump supporters. But the, 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 uh, the country we've lived in may have been shifting for a couple of decades, but what we've seen over the last four years is that this is nothing like the country that we had in, say, 1990, right? Mm -hmm. It truly is an oligarchy. And you have, you know, the press is basically a courtier, a courtier class, you know, servicing, servicing tremendously wealthy people. And that that that's that's where we are. So they have to, you know, they have to stamp on people's necks. And I think they're going to try to use Donald Trump as an instrument for that, to, you know, degrade and humiliate Trump supporters. And, but of course, it's not just Trump supporters. Right. I, I mean, you know, at some point. Other people are going to wake up and be like, it seems like we're getting a rind of a deal here, right? You'd think that more people would have done it during COVID, and some people are. And that's part of why people are moving to places like Florida, right? Why liberals are moving to places like Florida or Texas. Like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be optimistic about Donald Trump's future, and I think a media thing would be great. And if, if 2024 decided to run again, that would be terrific, too. I, but I'm not, you know, I'm optimistic about lots of things. I'm optimistic about the future of the country. But I think right now they're just I mean, they've zeroed in on him for four years. I, I can't see them letting him go now. Julie, what do you think? Um, I mean, I think all of us, there's a tiny bit of us who are ready to just move on from the Trump era because it just <coughs> to the extent that he did a lot of good, but also was his own worst enemy. And we saw that really play out the last few months when he was not prepared in any way to take on these legal challenges about the election. I mean, the evidence was right there and they were never prepared at, at all to take this on the right way. And so that led to, you know, his ouster, but he, he will be around. He'll continue to be, a popular, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful politicians for a while, because all of the anger that we are going to have after January 20, 20th, after what we see the Democrats trying to do, he will channel, you know, he'll channel all of that for for all of us. But the bottom line is we need to find other people to lead this country and not just at a national level, but state level too. And so do you continue to put energy and focus on Trump or do you really start to do the rebuilding? Obviously the Republican party to the country and the party as we know it are completely gone. So do what we've been talking about, which is try to field solid candidates to take out some of these yeah. disloyal Republicans and cultivate the right candidates or one candidate for office in 2024, you know, will Trump continue to suck that political oxygen out of the party and our focus probably, but I'm not really sure that we have time to, to waste on that because ultimately, ultimately it doesn't get us anywhere in terms of where we need to be to regroup and, and fight politically the left. That's been our biggest problem. I think, um, is that we don't have a bench. Um, and the reason we don't have a bench is that we don't have these local politicians rising up through the ranks of the, you know, the political ladder, so to speak. Um, and so, you know, Trump was such a unique case with, he had all this money. He was a 
quasi celebrity um, that made it much easier than a regular person who was populist to come in and go against the system. So we really do need to work on getting local good people running in local local races and cultivating people. The left has a a very large bench. Um, They have people at every level um, to the point where they don't need to really have conference calls wondering how to handle something because these people already know exactly how to handle it because it's I want to ask a hypothetical question of you both okay let's say that Trump supporters are right let's say that Trump's lawyers were right that there's evidence of massive election fraud and that when the lights went out in six states across the country and Trump is commanding massive leads and then when the light lights went back on, Joe Biden was in front. Let's say that happened. What does that say for the future of the Republican Party? Julie? Wait, say that again. Ask the question again. Uh, here, I, I'll, I'll put it another way. I'll put it another way. If they showed that they can turn around an election at will, yeah. what does that say for the future of the Republican Party? This, this, this is one reason why, yeah. I, why, I, why I'm saying I think that we need to move off the not ignore politics, but move off the political plane for a while. The, the, the discourse about it is so polluted. It's so mm-hmm. dirty. And I was like, I, 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 just, I mean, what, what, what do you do? It's like, well, we're going to send in we're going to send in a bunch of mobsters into Philadelphia to make sure that the elections are clean. I, I just don't know how to answer that right now. So that's why for me, like the po- that's why for me, the political says, like, well, OK, what are you going to do? Let's say all this is right. I, I believe it is. Let's say all this is right. What are you going to do? We've just been told by the Democratic Party that they can turn off the lights anytime they want. And that's it. Yeah. You can run whatever candidates you want. They could be. And, you know, you hear the people you hear the conservatives. Say, well, we, we just have to go out and win more votes so they can't yeah. cheat. Like, are, you, are you kidding me? That's a good point. Like, I mean, these people are delusional, right? They're nuts. So that's what I mean. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that uh, Republicans, conservatives, uh, uh, MAGA people, just regular Americans who don't want to be treated like slaves should walk away from politics. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I think that we need a pretty serious rethink that's that's not just going to be about candidates. not just about the anti-Ben Sasses of the world, you know, right. it's like, well, I mean, but, I mean, Ben Sass, presumably, if they do turn the lights on and off, I mean, he's not going to have any problem, right? I mean, this is, you know, studied opposition. So what, right. what, 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 what do we do? You know, what, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, I really, yeah. I, I don't know. And I think that that's how a lot of people feel right now is that um, the Democrats, too, are going to get the faith in the election is gone. They know that we'll never have a legitimate election again. Uh, there's no point in voting. And right. so, yeah, to your point, it's a great question and something that's going to require a lot of thinking and figuring out is, okay, well, where does this energy go? Where do we put this? If you're optimistic about the country, you certainly can't <laughs> channel it into the political right. system because it's that's poison. What right. That's what I don't get about the Mitch McConnell stuff. And the establishment Republicans who didn't want to contest the vote. I'm like, hey, my man, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure your donor, uh, you know, your donor class is inexhaustible. But what about voters? 
right? I mean, no matter how much money they give you, you can only buy a certain amount of voters. What if people just say like, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't look right to me. Why waste well, our time? I, I don't understand why, why they didn't fight for their own interest. You know? well, yeah. That's why people, I think, were so driven to come to Washington, D.C. yesterday. I mean, yeah. I've been in po- politics my entire career. I've been involved with and attended many grassroots events. It is not easy to get people out. It just isn't. Yeah. So to have 200 to 300,000 people yeah. come to Washington, D.C., uh, not their state capital, okay, and not their right. local yeah, political right. person, to Washington, D.C., where they – they drive in the middle of the week and it's cold here. It's, it's not like we're not going to Florida. This is not it is not a pl- real pleasant being outside here. Right. It's not work. Right. It's, it could be worse. But still to come out and do that shows how angry they are that they the realization is that they have absolutely no recourse if they are not happy with their political condition. That's very serious. I don't know what to yeah. say to you. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I wish there was a solution. You know, I should we vote with computers? No, I don't think we should. You know, how do we get that passed in an election? I mean, it's like it's a begs a question. You know, it's right. like an Ouroboros. What do you do? Right. So we see where we are. And that's the context, I think, that yesterday, you know, yesterday's uh, Wednesday's events need to be seen in. It's like it's not just the continued coup. It's sort of like people look at, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I voted. Trump turned out 10 million more people. And you're telling me none of this matters? Okay. Right. What do we do? Are we still Americans or are we slaves? Well, all I know is that Joe Biden got more votes than Obama. So he's more popular than Obama. And I totally yeah. believe that. I totally <laughs> believe that happened. Yeah. Like 100% totally believe that yeah. happened. Um, well, Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Um Thank you, thank you, Liz and Julie. Thank you guys for inviting me. Oh, does Julie have something to say? Julie, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you didn't. I'm just so thrilled to talk with Lee anytime. I just think you're, you know, I'm just your biggest fan. We're Lee fans, girls. Such great work. We want to have you on more regularly because I'd love to. I think the question you just posed is sort of mind blowing, and I think it'll be, you know, good to continue these discussions because people need to think about that. Right. That's why I keep saying cultural sphere, uh, spiritual, religious sphere, all these other things. We're more than just, you know, political animals. And it's not saying I'm saying it so we can so we are not slaves so that we are free people. Right. There are other things and that, you know, we have to regather our strength and re-energize. And again, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm not optimistic about, you know. Uh, about things like elections right now. Everything else, yeah, America's a great country and Americans are great people, the greatest. All right, well, well that is a happy ending. That is a happy yeah. note. And Lee, we don't usually yeah. end our show on a happy note. We start on a happy note and then we just end up in a really dark place, naturally. So this is, it's true. So. I believe it. Yeah. So this is it first. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We will Thanks be back next week on Happy Hour. And if you want to subscribe, we are on iTunes. Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. Have a great week and see you in seven days. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.